Welcome to the Moot Podcast. In this recording of the Moot Eucharist on Sunday the 13th of June 2010, Vanessa Elston explores the theme of Christ's call for a conversion of the heart and mind. Right, my first homily. <laughs> uh, I've given this homily two titles. The first title, Can You Be a Christian Without Getting Saved? Well, I think that's an option that I've, um, I've kind of tried. And I think probably I'm not the only one. And I want to ask what you would say if someone asked you, have you been saved? And I've been thinking about, okay, so why, why don't I want to be saved? And uh, the first reason was, that was for the 70s, not for the noughties. The other reason was, um, being saved feels embarrassing, and the Christian culture that goes with it, and there's nothing for me really that I associate with it that feels particularly desirable or cool. That, um, the other thing was, um, people who are saved sometimes feel the need to ask others if they've been saved, which is incredibly embarrassing as well. And uh, I guess being saved is not talked about in the kinds of Christianity I would like to be associated with, which are intellectually and politically much more credible and appealing. Being saved often carries with it a rather dodgy theology about going to heaven when you die that I no longer fully embrace. But perhaps, if I'm honest, um, the biggest reason is that I don't really understand it, that I've never quite got that Jesus died for me. What does that mean? that Jesus died to save me, what on earth does that really mean? So I think the real title for this homily, and and having reflected on that, I've been thinking about the real title is why I've come to the conclusion that actually I do really need to be saved. And I also want to say why I think Moot is on the right track with its exploration of virtues, practices and postures. Because I think if I were to try and summarise what I think, in my great wisdom, that the both, I think, I think in Western Christianity, we are in both a time of um, crisis and opportunity. And the crisis and opportunity is how do we reconnect faith with life? Yeah, so, so the crisis and opportunity is how do we reconnect faith with life? Faith here, life here. Or in the words of a theologian, Miroslav Volf, how do we offer a compelling vision of an integral way of life that's worth living? And I think the Western world doesn't realise this, but the Western world is waiting for Jesus in practice rather than Jesus in theory. Rather than Jesus as a way to get to a heaven we no longer really believe in. Or even Jesus as a nice warm feeling. But Jesus in practice means asking the question... What does a life look like that is centred on Christ? How is life to be actually lived that is centred on Christ? And what does it look like if I do this with others rather than just try and do it on my own? What is faith when it shapes and underpins everything we do rather than something we tack on around the edges of our lives to give us a boost when we feel particularly needy or empty? I think we have to be honest, or rather I have to be honest, and say that my Christianity, for all my intellectualism and study, is still relatively superficial. I mean, I'm just going to speak for myself, but in doing so, I guess I'm probably speaking for some more than just me. 
I have to admit that I flirted with a spiritual life without really surrendering my selfish centre. I have to stop pointing the finger at others and start to look at myself. I have to ask myself honestly what actually shapes my behaviour, what drives my responses and actions, what are my inner motivations and thoughts, what are the things that actually shape and dictate how I live day by day, and is this different to those around me? Should it be? And um, I don't mean for us to do all this in a kind of heavy shirt, brow-beating kind of way. But also I think we need the humour that honesty brings. Our comedians know that one of the reasons we laugh is because we recognise who we are as human beings, and what really makes us tick, that we're really all in the same boat, despite our attempts to prove otherwise. I think we need the announcement in our churches, mind the gap between Christ and the church. <laughs> mind the gap <laughs> between the way Christ lives and the way we live. Because the truth is that many of us fall through that gap, actually. And that gap opens up before each one of us. It opens up before me as I try to love and realise how far I am from really being able to love and be loved. So this is why I need to be saved. Because as soon as I try and attempt to live the Christian life, as soon as I try to begin to take seriously the commands or words of Jesus, I'm taken right back to the beginning and to my need for conversion and inner transformation. Um, it takes me straight back to the reality that I can't do this by myself. That I can't do the virtues and the practices and the postures through just deciding to do them, though they seem like a good idea. And I think that if we are serious about trying to actually live a life that begins to look like the virtues and postures and practices, we need to get converted and we need a sense of humour. Because in a strange way, we both need to take ourselves seriously, but also not so seriously. And we need to admit that we are first and foremost in need of conversion, that we are those who need to be born again and to become Christians. And in this sense, we need to be much more Christian, not less. I mean, I think that God's joke is that God wants to convert Christians. God's mission strategy is me. God wants to convert me and you, and we need to become a school for conversion, to understand at a deeper level what it really means that Jesus came to save sinners, that he came to save those who were poor, needy, wounded, sick, hungry, thirsty, and that is us. Jesus didn't come for the rich, the well-off, for the religious, for the spiritual, for those that have it all together, those that can feed and clothe themselves, Jesus came for those who need to be fed and clothed with him that don't have all the answers in themselves. Jesus came for those that need him and uh, I need to be saved because in the words of a quite often quoted quote from a book by Douglas Copeland, my secret is that I need God, that I'm sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me give because I'm no longer capable of giving, to help me to be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness to help me to love, as I seem beyond being able to, to love. I think redemption and salvation is not about bad people becoming good, because when God made us, he said we were very good. But the fall is really a story about our distortion and a captivity to that which just makes us fall short of our true humanity. 
being saved is about being enabled to love again, to give and receive, to relate in a way that's healthy, where we can ask and we can give in relationship to God and others, to be free of that which distracts and clogs us up so that we can be truly here, now, in love. So my story is the story of a Christian who wanted to follow Jesus but did not really understand what it meant for him to save me. I never really saw myself as a sinner, never saw myself as one of the needy, the sick, the wounded. I never felt guilty and in need of forgiveness. I did have a deep hunger for meaning and purpose and I was attracted to Christ and I wanted to follow him. But I never really got why he had to die for me. And I think that is a very hard thing to get your head around. And it's only now, much later in my Christian life, that I begin to ponder what this really means. That in Paul's words, he loved me and gave himself for me. For both the Apostle Paul and the simple woman in Luke 7, some kind of fundamental inner change and transformation has taken place. The woman can only express her love and gratitude for the unconditional love, forgiveness and acceptance she feels Christ gives her through tears, kisses and anointing. It's beyond words. And for Paul, his meeting with Christ completely threw him off the track he was on. It decentered his life to such an extent that he can say, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The way I used to try and get it right, the way I used to try and justify myself, be in control, my old patterns and habits of living died with Christ on the cross. And I'm now living a new kind of life for God. No longer for the old self, which hinged around a kind of perfectionism, trying to zealously keep God's law, a zeal that led me to publicly criticise and persecute anyone who I felt was not being true to the right way of following God. The old ego that tried so hard to be good and perfect. I've been liberated from this, so that from day to day, the life I live in my body is shaped and formed by a depth of love and trust in the Son of God that's liberated me beyond any extent I thought possible so that from within I can truly follow him and do what he says, live the way he lived. Paul knew that the gospel was offensive to the Jews and completely foolish and made no sense to the Gentiles. And I still think it doesn't make sense to us from the outside. Why does God have to die for me? Why did Jesus have to go that far? Was that agonizing and shameful death really necessary? And I think for us the gospel is no less offensive than it was for the Jews because the gospel offends our pride, our self-sufficiency, our autonomy, our need to be in control, our need to look good, our need to be right, our need to be better than others, our need to justify ourselves. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The gospel says we can't fix it. We're powerless in this respect. We can't overcome the self, the ego, the old habits, patterns, responses, addictions and behaviours just by trying harder. We need help. We actually need God, desperately. That for all our wealth, technology and self-sufficiency, we're impoverished, homeless and hungry. We need to be loved unconditionally, to be accepted and embraced by the one who created us and knows us better than we know ourselves. The gospel is not about denying legitimate needs, the need to be loved, to be safe, to be known and respected, to participate, to contribute, for creative and just work, to be fed, clothed, 
The question is, how do we get these needs met? The false ego, the false self-center often denies these legitimate needs or is deluded, deluded that they can be met through earning the love of others, through being good, perfect, unemotional, smart, through seeking security, pleasure, power, status, esteem and control in this world. But these false centers don't make us happy. Sin is the diabolos, the splitting power that separates us from God, from other people, and from our deepest, truest nature. Christ came to reunite humanity with God in his very person. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to draw us into Christ, and in so doing, to draw us back into union with God, our true selves and others. So I come back to where I started, that I need to be saved from all the thoughts and patterns that distort, from anger, fear, sadness and shame, religiosity, taking myself too seriously, from my perfectionism, my delusion of superiority, my need to be in control, my autonomy, my self-sufficiency that keeps me isolated from others, unable to ask for help, unable to participate in the right way of relating that is both giving and receiving, all the ways in which I try to get my needs met that don't actually meet my true needs. I want us to, I guess what I feel for Moot is that we become a sort of school of conversion <laughs> that begins with a recognition of a need, with honesty and humility. I can't, step one. God can, or I believe God can, is step two. And I will let God do it, is step three. The shift from centeredness in self to centeredness in God. It's no longer I alone, proud and self-sufficient, but by letting Christ in me, a new way of relating, of love, trust and surrender. So when we take the bread and the wine, I'm going to ask us in a way to take it as an act of conversion, as a way of saying, Christ, I need you. I need your life, your salvation. I need you to change, transform and convert me at ever deeper levels. I want to know what it means to feed on you, to let you feed and clothe me, to let you meet my deepest needs. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Moot podcast. For information on Moot, its resources, its events and services, and its online store, please visit www.moot.uk.net.